Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello. Hello. <laughs> wow. We are doing great. We are doing great today. We this are... is what happens when Syracuse is 5-0. and Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Uh, we're doing awesome today. Uh, hello and welcome to this week's edition of Troy Newton's is an Absolute Podcast. Apparently, when Syracuse goes 5-0 and and literally Mercy rules the team, this is what happens to the podcast. Uh, for anyone who's <laughs> listening, I'm Steve Haley. Joining me as always, Andy Pragler and Christian Kuzman. Um, wh- what's up with this mess, guys? I assumed the 10-minute running clock was always a high school football-specific rule and didn't apply to college also. Well, we learned otherwise. So I think, listen, we should talk about this seriously. I'm just going to say off the top. I love it. I think it's a great idea. I think it needs to be implemented more often than not. I think it's actually a win for everybody involved. And <laughs> how, yeah. how many coaches have gone to Nick Saban to propose that? And Nick Saban, within <laughs> half a millisecond, said no. <laughs> Probably a lot. No, they send they send an on they send an envoy. It's like a it's like a hostage negotiation <laughs> where they yeah. send a messenger out there so that way if Saban rips his head off. Uh, it's not the actual head coach. <laughs> the poor the poor GAs that Nick Saban has eaten uh, asking for 10 minutes second half quarters. They have, they have like a heart rate monitor attached to him and like they're monitoring to see like <laughs> if, if he's still stable. Yeah. <laughs> GPS tracker on his Apple watch. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds about right. Better make sure. Got to make sure the get back coach is, is behind Saban. They're ready to pull back just, just in case. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. So. If anyone is living under a rock or has no idea what we're talking about, the Syracuse Orange defeated the Wagner Seahawks 59-0 on Saturday. Uh, it was 49-0 at the uh, end of the first half, um, which should have been the end of the starters, but we'll get to that later. Um, the game was from the opening kick, not a game. It was a glorified practice. Uh, it's not anybody's fault of their own. Wagner has not won a game since 2019 and was just vastly overmatched, which... I was talking to some friends, and to see Syracuse do what Syracuse is supposed to do in these matchups was actually refreshing. And I I don't want to beat on Wagner, but a P5 team should do that to a Wagner, and they did. And it's been something we haven't done in a long time. You know why it's also refreshing? It's because Syracuse hasn't had that in quite some time. Right. Because of scheduling, because because here at News Position, it always comes back to scheduling. Right, we're we're a scheduling like, blog with a football yeah. problem. <laughs> like there hasn't been too many of those free, quote unquote, free FCS wins scheduled for Syracuse over the past couple of seasons. Now, partially that was due to COVID and at least in 2020 and 2021 was, you know, wonky with the scheduling and everything. Uh, but like, it's, it's been a while. It was, I think like it was probably like that central Connecticut state game, maybe in 2018 or was it 2017, which was like maybe the last FCS opponent at Syracuse played. 
I know it's been a couple of seasons. So the uh, just for the sake of of uh, posterity here. So in twenty um, in twenty twenty one last season, Syracuse played Albany and won sixty two to twenty four. God, that, that was game. Also, I mean, there's there was some actual concerns in that game because Albany did have what is now a FSU quality defensive end attacking our weakest position all, at the time. An, an all ACC first team defensive mm, yeah. end now. Yes. So, like, that Albany team was pretty good. And, again, they put up 24 points. Like, that's nothing to sneeze at. Um, but prior to that, you're right. In 2020, there was no FCS game. In 2019, Syracuse did not ha- uh Syracuse played Holy Cross. They only won that game 41-3. to um, Not saying that that's not, like, a big win. But to Steve's point, it's FCS. Um, if I... I have to pull up the box score, and I'm afraid that it's going to crash my computer because Qs.com always breaks myself uh, when I'm in there. I'll but I'm it. pretty sure if I remember that correctly, that was not a blowout until the third quarter. Like, that game was relatively tight for a stupid amount of time. So you have to go back to 2018 for the last time that Syracuse beat an FCS opponent by at least 50 points, and that would be Wagner in 2018 when we beat them 62-10. to 10. Um, and for those keeping track at home, 2018 is when Syracuse went 10 and three. So, so yeah, yeah. So whole, that Holy Cross game was 24 three at halftime. Yes, not yeah, the resulting 49 zero that we saw this past weekend. Well, and yeah, yes. and I guess I guess that's the other thing to bring up is yes, it was 49 zero, but it it felt worse. Like they. Wagner had 50 yards of offense in the entire game. Like, I'm not sure what the exact yeah. number was, but it it was at one point I remember seeing a stat pop up that they had 50 yards of offense in the fourth quarter at some oh, point. Oh, here, no, here's the stat that I saw. Um, Wagner averaged 1.3 yards per play in that game, in, in this past weekend's game. Syracuse averaged 1.1 points per play. Huh. <laughs> yeah, maybe that. I think that might have been the first half because they finished with 288 yards of total offense on 74 plays for 3.9 total yards per play. Most of that had to have been against the. Uh, wait, wait. What are you looking at? I'm looking at the 2018 game, aren't I? Okay. Yeah. yeah I am looking yeah, at the 2018 because, game. Because, Holy because, shit! Because, because, because <laughs> you are because you are correct. Wagner finished with 50 yards of total offense. Okay. Okay, <laughs> I pulled the stats up. I'm like, oh, did I miss something drastic? No, nope, <laughs> like nope. 288 yards at... really was confusing. So yeah, I mean, I guess that's the that that's the attestation right there. This year we helped them do 50 yards of offense versus 288. I, what was also impressive is that um, Kevin put. There were two stats that were also impressive. Uh, Kevin brought up this first stat at the end of the game. Schrader set a school record. Garrett Schrader set the school record for the most completions without failing to throw an incompletion uh, at, of at least 10 with 17 straight completions to finish a game at 100%. Like, that hasn't been done in school history before that many completions at 100% in a game. Do you know who the last person to throw for uh, a quote-unquote perfect game like that is? Would his name be Eric Dungey? No, his name would be... Was- Troy Noons. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Great synergy right there. Yeah. Thank you, Troy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've the, heard the, the, uh, You've heard his yeah. name multiple times on the podcast, and I've heard he's an absolute magician. Yeah, I've heard that too. Um, the other thing about this game was also, just in comparison to other blowout games, is that Syracuse scored on every first half drive, except for the last one when they didn't score because they didn't run a two-minute drill. And yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, they were on, what, the 12 or something like that going in? Yeah. Yeah, it was like the only good punt that their punter had. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, they didn't run a two-minute drill. But Syracuse's offense, every time the Syracuse offense was on the field in the first half, scored a touchdown. Yeah, not There's- bad there's a special level of dominance that this team exhibited in this game. Um, I think part of that is clearly that Wagner is not 
an elite FCS program. We have seen what happens when elite FCS programs come to the dome. Cough, cough, Villanova game. I was going to say, don't Um, make Christian Twitch for the rest of the podcast. (laughs) Um, But this is the kind of game that's like important for the Orange because it is, it's a confidence builder. It's a trend center, a trend setter. And going into the bye week, I think this is exactly what you want um, before Syracuse has the stretch of death that we have all been not eagerly what is the opposite of eagerly anticipating because that is (laughs) yeah dreading yeah it's the thanos stretch this is the part where thanos aka the back half of the schedule opens up the portal and we are really hoping that our hulk is actually uh ready to go at this point because it is only gotten it has somehow gotten both more um it has syracuse fans are more optimistic going into the back half of the stretch and yet i have also gotten more terrified based off of the performances of Wake Forest, Florida State uh, specifically. Um, But we'll talk about that in a bit. Uh, Reflecting back on this game, I think the big concern that everybody had, if if you want to put a blemish on a 59 to nothing beat down with a running clock, is the injuries allegedly sustained in this game. Um, We saw Matthew Bergeron go down in the first half. We saw Sean Tucker go down in the second half. Um, it would appear based off of all appearances from the coaching staff and from these players that the injuries aren't too severe. Um, we'll start with Bergeron just because I feel like Bergeron's probably the most important one. No disrespect to Sean Tucker, but what, from what we saw from LaQuint Allen, I am slightly less concerned about the running back room. Um, Steve, I didn't see the Bergeron injury. I was, uh, celebrating a friend's birthday party. Um, in general, it seemed like Bergeron came back in and played fine for the rest of the game doesn't seem to be too worrisome but just as in terms of the line construction i would argue that losing bergeron basically destroys this offensive line and everything that we've built up to at this point is that an over exaggeration or is or am i somehow it? yeah um (laughs) it's the question that steve never wants to answer no uh, you, you talked about it earlier. Dread it, run from it. Destiny arrives all the same. Uh, if if he went down, that would that would in my brain put us at a six and six bowl team with a win over BC, and that's it moving forward. Um, Enrique Cruz looked fine. Like I, the what we saw, what I was able to actually pay attention to him in. And uh, for anyone who didn't know, I was I was off of coverage this game, so I didn't I didn't wasn't able to watch it with a fine tooth comb. Um, but from what I saw, he looked fine. Um, he's probably your next man in. Uh, Christian, did you see anything different along those lines, or are we all under the implication that if Bergeron goes down, we're shit out of luck? I haven't seen enough to convince me otherwise. Sounds right. Which is, and we didn't. I mean, we. And the thing with Bergeron is that I think he was injured. If I recall correctly, he was injured on a touchdown play and then came in on the next drive. So we didn't actually get to see what the offensive line looks like without Matthew Bergeron at left tackle because he didn't. There wasn't a snap where the first-team offensive line was out there without him at left tackle. And that said, I mean, even if we did, they'd be it'd be our, you know, 1As playing against the equivalent of our 3s from what we saw. So, yeah, I mean, we wouldn't have gotten a whole hell of a lot out of even seeing it without him. And I think that's the big thing we got to take from this game is that everything we saw from this game has to be taken with a grain of salt because and a massive grain of salt, because like you said, Steve, it was basically like one V threes. And that's no disrespect to Wagner. That's just where they are right now. Right. I mean, a good a good FCS team should be our ones versus twos and a bottom of the barrel fcs team should be our ones versus threes and fours like that's that's not a slight on wagner that's where the pecking order sits um it's you know it's not like a d3 school is going to trot in and give su a run for their money um and one double a isn't that far removed so (laughs) yeah i don't know um is there anything else we can glean from that offensive performance uh, there, I, there was one thing, and I wrote it on my takeaways. And I because one of the things that got Schrader going is what basically Virginia did 
to score in all of their long touchdown drives, which were short passes. Yeah. And I feel like if you continue to throw those short passes with Greater, at least in the early script, that gives him confidence to complete the passes that you need to complete in the later part of the game. And if so, if Anais continues to script out short passes to just get completions on the board, it's like it's like a basketball player just seeing a ball go through the hoop. Just getting the confidence to see the yep. ball get completed, I think, can only help Schrader. And so scripting out those short passes is something that I could easily see in the first two drives uh, moving forward. Something to because get some sort of early rhythm for him. Yeah, exactly. Because you saw you saw what we saw a lot um, from the receivers not named Oronde Gatson and Damian Alford, at least on those first couple of drives, were curl routes and hard curl curl routes, um, which helped a lot yep. because Syracuse has been running a lot of slants and drag routes and out routes. So that's one of the times where a curl route where works. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, I, get get somebody on that, you know, eight-yard dig or, like, that five-yard quick cut or something along yeah, those lines to, mm-hmm. you know, like you said, get the rhythm, get confidence, get him moving, make make him not afraid of what the offensive line is doing because if you're in short, if you're in quick protection, that also helps you out from a, protect, from a line standpoint. Like, they don't have to hold blocks for a, you know, a seven-step drop. If you're a quick three-step drop, hit the guy on the dig, you're fine, like, your your line isn't going to break down in a three step drop, or if it does, we've got a lot more problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah the the other thing I think that we do want to talk about a little bit is just the the running game looked a lot better. Um, it's obviously Wagner, great huge grains of salt, all that and encouraging uh, things, but but for me, the big thing that I saw a lot of was. Uh, the offensive line getting to that second level um, people like they were doing their pulls. They were, they were cutting back and they were really in sync with each other in a way that you can get when you have confidence, when you're not worried about someone blowing up the blowing up the play. Uh, and additionally, uh, I, I mentioned him earlier, but like LaQuint Allen, that guy is fast and the way that Sean Tucker is big and strong. Uh, LaQuint Allen is really fast. And I'm really intrigued to see more of him. I don't know if we will. Uh, he is a true freshman, so there's always the potential for redshirting if he doesn't. But I think the fact that he was the next running back up and the fact that he's a you know New Jersey player of the year, fringe four-star uh, recruit, it seems like he's somebody that the coaching staff likes and kind of gave him a reward for good work and practice with the game opportunity. And he is somebody who I think would be a nice change of pace. Because unlike Tucker, who we saw multiple times in this game, even when Tucker broke off long runs, he cut back in some way, shape, or form. He was doing a much better job of not doing ridiculously hard cuts and a little bit softer, like following the tunnel that the offensive line was providing. LaQuint Allen is hit a hole really hard, really fast, and I dare you to catch me. And I'm interested in that, if only because we've seen to this point the offensive line, uh, their ability to create holes against better opponents is somewhat of a limited thing. Uh, and Tucker is a very patient runner, which is great, except when you need to hit a hole very hard, very fast. Um, just something to look out for moving forward as we play some better offensive lines. Changes of pace backs work at all levels. We've seen it. We see it at the NFL even more more than ever now. Uh, and if Allen can be a Dane, it can be an impact player in the passing game as well. Uh, that is something that I think we could see this offense evolve into that I would really like to see, uh, you know, down the line. Um, were there Was there any other backups um, on the offense or the defensive side for either of you that kind of stood out in a way um, that, you know, you want to see in an FCS game? Uh, Leon Lowry did what he needed to do. That was, was important. Yeah, Especially I was going to say, before we leave the running backs, though, one thing we didn't mention... Sean Tucker uh, ran for 232 yards. The single-game Syracuse record is 252. He was that close. I wonder if that's why they uh, Dino kept him in. 
that that was one of the reasons that they used. We'll get to that in a bit. Oh, okay. Um, Didn't know we were coming back. Sorry. Yeah, no, <laughs> let's back get to that in a bit because let's start with the positives of this game before we hit okay. some of the negatives. Oh, okay. You want to hit that when we hit that? Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, on the defensive side, Leon Row- Lowry did a great job of um, what I want to say, just doing his job. Right. And be- like I s- and because of the Derek McDonald injury right now, we're not sure if he's going to be back or if he's going to be healthy after the bye week. Um, we just know he hasn't played in the last two games. Um, Apparently having- Sam linebackers are just, you know, they fall out of the sky for us because yeah, yeah. we need them to. Mm-hmm. Well, and and again, Lowry came into camp as the backup will right. to Marlowe Wax. Um, and more Sparrow didn't make too much of an impact. Um, but again, it was Wagner. And also, but Lowry did a great job. And I think, um, and I, I think a lot of us kind of expected him to be the guy that would uh, kind of be the person who comes back and who who is like the next, like, alpha guy at linebacker and he started showing it a little bit um at least in that performance which is what you want to see in a game where the twos are basically auditioning Mm. for the first crack at a one spot next season yeah makes sense even if it's in a game where the clock is running with 10 minutes on it yeah. At the yeah. second half. No, and I think did uh I mean we saw Sparrow or we talked about Sparrow, we talked about Lowry. Did Rune make any impact when he was in? I didn't yeah, really he did, like he I did. saw he had a, I think he had a T, he had a TFL okay. which was which was pretty good. Uh he still stayed pretty quiet um because he was basically doing the same thing that Michael does, which is play QB spy. Okay. And and then and which is which is fine. Uh, he he didn't. I don't remember him seeing coming up on too many rushes, but that's mainly because I wasn't paying much ha- attention to the second half because who was? Uh, oh, oh god! I just looked at the uh, the tackle totals, mm-hmm. and I was like, Uh-oh. "Wow, these are all low." And then I realized that there wasn't many tackles needed. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's Lowry with seven total, and then Wax, Rune, and Darton with four each. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Beyond that, I mean, Braylon Oliver got some run. Linton looked like he was toying with people sometimes. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it was a game that, like we've said a couple times, we're gonna, oh, uh, the Knowlton injury. No, that was, oh, Dennis Hawkes. Oh, was it Hawkes? Okay. Yeah. Um, sorry, uh, wrong. Apparently Knowlton got in on the game here, which is interesting. I didn't. Yeah, it says he got one for, uh, and yeah. he got a half because, a sack, or half a tackle yeah. for a loss. But yeah, Hawkins going down uh, after him kind of working his way into the the rotation as a freshman, not the rotation, but like into the yeah. mix. Um, that that wasn't fun. Yeah. But yeah, hopefully, I mean, hopefully that was just being like extra precautious mm. because air cast anything just looks scary. Yeah. Um. But if he does have to miss an extended part of the season. Ian Knowlton getting red shirt, which is right. What you would like from them, especially since they are project they they project as based on their recruiting profiles to be starters. What's Okachukwu? Is he? What class is he? He is currently vamping, so I can pull it up. Red shirt junior. Yeah, I mean, so he has another year. Yep, he's he a fifth probably, year. He probably has he probably has another two years because he probably has a COVID year also. Uh, he's currently a fifth year, so he's probably. Uh, probably got one more. Like oh, okay. He probably doubled up as a redshirt. Uh, Richard's, uh Let's see. He did. He didn't show up. But there's nothing in his 2020. There is. Uh, they just didn't bold it. Oh, wonderful! I didn't yep. see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So his second, okay, so his is, second so freshman year one. was 2020. So he does have one more year. Okay. Yeah. That'd be a big. Because, that'd be yeah. a big keep. Yeah. Yeah. If we can keep Coke. Okachukwu, yeah. Oh, I didn't realize St. John's College, where he's from in D.C., uh, the head coach there is Joe Casameno, who, if I remember right, was, wasn't was he the uh, CBA Syracuse head coach for a while? 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Oh, wow. That is a pull, Steve. That is a pull. Yes, that is that is accurate. Yep. Well done. Yep. Just, you know, the random stupid thoughts that <laughs> pop into my brain. <laughs> so there, there's your Syracuse connection on how he showed up here. We have a round table. We have a round table going up tomorrow on the site about some general thoughts from the uh, from the first half of the football season. One of the questions that Kevin posed to us was uh, most improved uh, players on both sides of the ball. Um, and for me on defense, it's Okachukwu because I think we all kind of knew what we were getting with Caleb Okachukwu since he was basically the fifth string defensive end that came in uh, last season. Yeah. When it wasn't black. And Roscoe on the ends, and Jonathan on the ends. It was Okuchukwu who was basically right behind them. It was kind of him and Tuazama before he went and got 15-yard penalties on everything he decided to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but so we knew like he was decent because in order to be considered in a rotation with Josh Black, Kingsley, Jonathan, and mm-hmm. Cody Roscoe, you have to be decent. Uh, but He's really become a not just a impact player and a consistent player, but a leader as well on this defense. And you could even see it when he's on his mob podcast as well. Um, and that's been really, really impressive to see that a guy who not main priority as we as we've talked about for weeks on end is to just take up space. He consistently finds a way to create more pressure, which is very impressive to see. And we saw that in the two tough games against uh, Purdue and Virginia, which was very, very impressive to see. Yeah, absolutely. And he's been he's been all over the place uh, from a spot that we didn't expect to, you know, see someone all over the place. Like his his name's been his number's been called a number of times, and it's it's really good to see coming out of that end spot, especially when he's he's the one that they have to prep for. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not like it's. You know, he's the the weak side tackle or something. Like he's he's the guy that they're looking for, and he's still producing. Yeah, and he's usually he's also usually lining up strong side as well. So yeah, he's got three sacks on the year too already. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the the entire de- I think in general the def- the defense has been slept on a bunch, and not obviously by this podcast. Um, and not by some Syracuse fans, but I think the wider wider audience and more Syracuse fans are starting to realize that this defense is the better unit, which is crazy, but I don't think it's unfair to say. Um, which, again, I, I'm, I'm here for it. Love it. Love having Tony White. All, all hail Tony White, our defensive mastermind. Uh, it's, it's been going well there. Um, before we get into talking about the negatives of the game and the other things going around with Syracuse football, because there's a lot happening going into this bye week, uh, we want to take a time. We want to take a moment to shout out our sponsor, Home Field Apparel. Home Field Apparel, makers of the finest and comfiest vintage collegiate clothing that you're going to find. They are releasing all types of schools today. Uh, this past weekend, they just released ECU. They have pretty much every Power 5 school that you could possibly want, along with a bunch of other really fun schools such as Slippery Rock and ECU. And insert other random small school that has really fun vintage uh, vintage mascots. There's actually uh, a really cool App State uh, vintage Yosef uh, helmet shirt that's I just saw that I'm like, oh, that's kind of nice too. <laughs> Start creating the wish list for Christmas. It's never too early. Uh, to go to Home Field Apparel and use your promo code NUNES, N-U-N-E-S, for 10% off your first order. Promo code NUNES, N-U-N-E-S, for 10% off your first order at Home Field Apparel. Um, they are great. We love them. Thank you for sponsoring us. Uh, and want to shout out uh, their wonderful Twitter account, which uh, is becoming awash with Syracuse gear that people are posting because Syracuse is 5-0 for the first time since 1987. 
home field magic is real, y'all. Um, guys, you know, let's home field talk. magic isn't quite home field magic as much anymore, is it? Now that they have everybody. <laughs> <laughs> um, it just depends on how bad you want it. Is it because we got in early? Is that why we, <laughs> we still have a little of the home field magic? Never forget that we beat UConn at the buzzer to surpass them in the big, yes, uh, big new Saturday standings. It's they can never, just no one can take that away game, from folks. us. <laughs> oh, gotta love it. Gotta love it. Um, things that you don't love to see are some of the things that we saw this Saturday in the Wagner game. We touched on the injury concerns um, a bit. Part of the reason that Sean Tucker's injury drew so much ire was because he was playing in the second half after Syracuse had a 49 to nothing lead uh, or 42 to nothing lead. I forget 49. which one it was. 49 to nothing lead. Um, Christian, you alluded to that you had heard some of the reasons why Dino Babers and his team had left the starters in. I only saw a tweet from a reporter, I do not remember which one, who said that Dino seemed defensive when it came to. Uh, answering these questions. Um, what was your read on the situation in terms of the reasonings given and the the overall fallout from this very odd decision? So what I'll say is I've seen to, we've seen Dino do this before, which is a trend that we would have liked to have seen him break, but in a way we should have expected because I th- we've, we've seen him do this before in these blowout type games where he'll trot the starters out for a series in the second half and then pull them. Um, again, that's n- not the best excuse for him because, again, it was 49 nothing, like, and you already agreed to shorten the quarters to 10 minutes. Like, you're not getting much out for th- throwing the starters out there for another uh, start. Um, the rumor was that uh, that Tucker was... Tucker and Schrader were told about the Joe Morris single season, single game rushing record. There was there was a rumor for that. Um, I don't remember too many of the other rumors, but all of them are like, well, cool, but right. injury is a far more important reason to say, hey, let's not do this. Yeah, you would think so. But alas, we did not. Um, I, I had a hunch when it went into halftime that that was going to happen because like you said, it's a, like Dino does this all the time. Like I, I wish, I wish he wouldn't have, but it's not like it's, it's not like it's without precedent. Anytime that they've been in a situation, good or bad, where they should pull the starters, he usually will leave them in for one more series. And if it's a halftime thing, he'll usually trot them out first series of the third quarter and then call it. That said, it's still dumb. There's no two ways about it. But, uh, you know, if that's if that's the guy's mantra, if that's what he's doing, then, you know, we're not going to we're not going to see anything different. It's just I I don't know if anybody if anybody here at least agrees with it. I like Christian's point. You asked to shorten the quarters. At that point, you are effectively saying that we that this game is over and we would like it to be over. So I don't understand why you trot the starters back out there when after making that that decision. Um, I, it, it feels I'm I am not one to talk about um, you know sportsmanship and and the virtues or non or, or classlessness of running up the score in a sport that has a subjective ranking system uh i think that that's like obvious like we saw what ha- if you haven't seen the new ap poll which we'll talk about in a second from syracuse's perspective georgia won a really tough game on the road in the sec and dropped out of the number one spot like there these coaches understand that you can never take a play off um when you're compete like when you're in this sport that being said you know i i just don't understand why you keep the starters in when you're basically throwing the white flag in on this game um it's it's something that bugs me about dino because as christian alluded to this happens every year that there's an fcs game so it is getting to the point where we should just expect it and, and and Steve, I think that you probably can talk to this a little bit more. There's a moment, like these guys are not idiots. the 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 Wagner players understand that they are getting boat raced. They are not 
there are no illusions to the fact that they think that they can come back and win when the game is 49 nothing at halftime. They're mm-hmm. there to just do the best that they can on an individual rep. But from the Syracuse perspective, games like this are when guys deeper down the depth chart who may never actually see uh, the two deep. Like, they may just never get there because of the way that roster construction works in college football. This is one of their few chances to, like, go out and get something more than a couple series on special teams or more than a spot play when somebody goes down unexpectedly. Like, this is your one chance to actually get into a rhythm and play the game of football in a in a game environment. Um, and, I, again, I just feel like give the, give the kids a chance to play in a game that's very clearly out of hand. So, uh, sorry, if you're not watching the video, I took a deep <laughs> breath and a sigh there because at the, uh, I mean, at the high school and collegiate level, I've been at, on both ends of that on the Wagner side of yesterday and the Syracuse side of yesterday. I can remember my freshman year at Union, uh, we got absolutely housed on a road trip to Hartwick and we were up in the Hawk's Nest, which like their field is on the side of a hill in Oneana wind whipping it's like 40 degrees out just the most miserable time and we're down like 42 to 3 and um i mean i'm like we're true freshmen that traveled and the point that they bring us in even even we we're just like why why are we going into this game like why are we still playing this game so even when you're on the bad side of it you're just like at a certain point, there's just the why are we doing this? And even even when you're in that situation, yeah, you would think that's where you could possibly make some make some change and like make an impact. But like the coaches also know you're playing against a dejected team. Like from the Syracuse standpoint, the coaches know you're playing against a team that's just like, yeah, we're here, we're going through the motions. You snap the ball, we're going to try and tackle you, but that's about all we got. Um, like. I, there was one point where the Wagner coach was in his quarterback's grill in like the fourth quarter. And I just, I felt so bad for the kid because it was just like, there, there's nothing you screaming in his face is going to do to help him. Like that's not making him a better football player. That's just you yelling at a kid. <laughs> but like from the Syracuse side, you have been on those two where you're up and you're like, you're real happy when you start running it out in the first half. And like, by the time it gets to about 35, nothing, you're just like, okay, great. Here we are again. When's the game over? And, you know, running the clock in the second half for one, after it confused the entire nation, uh, was (laughs) the best thing that could have happened to that game outside of from like a a sports betters standpoint. Um, since that apparently negated all bets on the, uh, the game in a couple of books. There's, uh, again, as somebody who is working for a uh, sports gambling company, none of this that I'm about to say is actually uh, authorized by any any regulator or any book. However, I will say that, yes, in a weird situation like that, like, that is not something that we typically have contingencies for. But it is (laughs) something where, like... I saw a few people in the Syracuse comments or in the news magician comment section complaining about the running clock. And my first immediate thought was you all bet the total, the game total over, which was set (laughs) around 60. Yeah. So like, yes, I I understand. I heard it was 63. Yeah. So if Syracuse would have scored on that last drive, uh, which they were clearly on their way to do, it would have have hit the over. A minute change left. It was first and goal. Yeah. Or second and goal. Yeah. yeah, and they started kneeling it out, and my first thought was, oh, man, every overbetter is losing their minds. But that's why, But that's why, yeah, you, you cancel all the bets from that game. It's like, this is weird. Someone it's a one sig- game. It- <laughs> Someone sent out a signal flare to Scott Van Pelt about that. <laughs> yeah, listen, again, I said it off the top. I think it's the right decision in a game like that. Like, no, no one really wants to lose 70 to nothing. You're not cheating the players out of anything. Uh if anything, my first thought was great. Everybody gets the chucks like a half hour early. Uh, I no thought... one has no one has the balls to go for the two hundred twenty two zero record in college football. Oh. You need to have so much efficiency. <laughs> and where is that from? Do we do the we know? Olden time. Do we know what schools that was? 
Because that's kind Georgia of amazing. Tech, it was Georgia Tech and Cumberland. Yes. Hmm. Okay. Georgia Tech has uh, Georgia Tech weird football history. Just every weird football record you think it involves Georgia Tech in some way. <laughs> okay. Um, Sounds fun. Speaking of things that are really old and haven't happened in a while, Syracuse is ranked. Um, not to like completely uh, wrap up the Wagner game, but I did want to like make sure that we call out that Sy- for those that might not have seen it, uh, the coaches poll and the AP poll, Syracuse is ranked in both of these. We'll get into that deep dive in a minute because, gentlemen, I'm going to send you something in our Slack channel. Um, but while I vamp about this, are there any final thoughts on this Wagner game or Syracuse's first five games as we now head into the bye week um, of, of this program? I have one final thought, and it's Tommy in the first five games. Don't get penalties. <laughs> yeah. Holding, holding, holding. False start. Clipping. Holding. Yeah, sounds right. Um, 13 men oh, on Jesus. the field. Oh, God. 13 men on the field is an incredible penalty. <laughs> that is, yeah, that is a 13... pure sickos mode. Oh, that is yeah. a pure sickos mode penalty. It's incredible. 13 you have to try to do. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh boy! Um, Are we going there? We're going there, aren't we? Oh, we're going there. Uh, Syracuse. What I was looking at earlier. Yeah, we were talking. Yes, in the pre-roll, I, we were talking I, about this, Preckler. <laughs> I love this. Um, Syracuse is ranked in the top twenty-five of the AP. Uh, they are ranked number twenty-two. This is the first time that Syracuse is ranked since they were ranked number fifteen to end the two thousand and eighteen season. Um, so it's been a minute since Syracuse has entered the polls. However, not everybody thought Syracuse should be ranked. This is my favorite part of ranking season, when you just get randomly mad at a random journalist that you've never heard of uh, because they left your favorite team off the ballot. And there are a few uh, pollsters who left Syracuse completely off their ballot. Well, before uh, we go Matt there, Mer- bef- do we want to go good before the bad or bad before the good? Because we have um, also some people that have ranked Syracuse in stupid positions way ahead of where they should be. You mean Trevor Haas of uh, Boston.com, who has Syracuse ranked 19th? Uh, how about Zach Klein, who has them ranked 18th? There, I was going to say, I don't know about Zach. Trevor was a classmate of mine at Syracuse. Oh, that'll so... do it. There it is. <laughs> yeah, there's a good number that have Cuse at 19, and John, it's really John, like... John Kerry meme, ladies and gentlemen, we got him. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair trevor is probably one of the best point guards that you can have for your pickup team uh he does not look like it but that man can ball um just wanted to shout out trevor great journalist legitimately great journalist but yes he has syracuse a bit high same thing with zach klein um but yeah syracuse at 19 actually syracuse at anywhere between like 18 and 20 seems a bit aggressive um but then you look at some of the teams that you're talking about ranking them over uh, like Damian Sordet, uh, who's affiliated with Liberty, has Syracuse ranked 19th, um, but he has JMU ranked 24th, Washington ranked uh, 23rd, Washington State ranked 21st. Like, there's some once you any anything after 15 can get a little bit squirrely. <laughs> yeah, I guess it it all kind of meshes at one point. But my favorite ballot is uh, Ryan Pritt uh, down. Uh, fourth from your bottom there. Uh, look where he has Kansas. Oh, wow. <laughs> Kansas at 11. Love it. Love that energy. <laughs> that is Rock, pure dark energy chalk. right there. <laughs> and that, my friends, is why we will be looking for the inevitable 2003 National Championship rematch per Christian de Guzman. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Syracuse, Kansas would just make the college football playoff cry. Like, I'm pretty sure at that point they would just say, this is, screw it, we're not expanding well, well, what anymore. Hap- well, what, ha- well, what happened <laughs> is that all the college basketball beat writers would switch to being college football beat writers for a day. There you go. <laughs> oh, shit, these guys oh, are the only the ones that know anything about these teams. <laughs> let's, uh... <laughs> Let's let them go. Is Jim Beheim like I, like I, Jim I guarantee, Beheim? I guarantee you're getting five articles from Mike Waters and Donna Detota of Syracuse, <laughs> Kansas, make it to a national championship in football. Oh, that's great. <laughs> oh god. Uh, that, speak. I was gonna say, speaking of the Syracuse.com guys, uh, Nate Mink is a voting member of this part of the Syracuse Media Group. 
uh, aka Syracuse.com. He had Syracuse at 24th. The other affiliated Syracuse writer, Adam Zucker of the Sy- of CBS Sports Network, also had Syracuse at 24th. I find it funny that like Syracuse is affiliated. Zucker had him at a 25th. 25th. There we go. Yeah, which is even like again, Syracuse ended up ranked 22nd. <laughs> And the uh, Syracuse people had, you know, had Syracuse lower than that. I just always find it kind of funny how some of those things work. It's either blatant well, it's, homerism or blatant anti-homerism. So, you know, what it is, though, is they've watched the games. Yes. Yeah. That's always the big difference. Because these polls are always there, like, completely objective, what, like, random, whatever you put down on a piece of paper. Um, subjective. Yeah, yes. whatever. Uh, <laughs> Biologist, <laughs> not an English guy. It's fine. Um, the uh, but the people who actually watch, like you're not ranking Syracuse in the teens because you've seen the Purdue game and you saw the Virginia game. But yeah. everybody else who's looking at them, we're like, well, they're five and zero. Oh, we got to put them somewhere. They're putting them somewhere. Which, which once again goes to John Casillo's eternal scheduling point. It doesn't matter who you schedule. Just be undefeated uh, at the end of your non-conference run. It's, it's like because... Kansas; like they only have, like, like the Kansas win over Iowa State holds the same amount of weight of the Syracuse win over Purdue. Yes. Yeah. And, and no, I'm not, not trying to take anything away from Kansas, but those are two very different games against two very different quality opponents from uh, from different conferences. Yeah. Um. And I again, I think it's a situation. Uh, one of the other things about the polls that I think is really interesting is that um, Purdue beat Minnesota, who is still ranked in some of these polls. Um, the Purdue lost to Penn State uh, at the beginning of the year and the loss to Syracuse. Purdue might end up being a really good team and Syracuse's best win on the season if they don't beat any of the ranked opponents that they have coming down the pipe. Um, and again, I think it's we're still so early in the season that there's a lot of overreaction to early points of the season. Um, and I'm interested to see where Syracuse kind of ends up after the bye week, because obviously they're not going to play any games and a lot's going to happen next week that could potentially shift things around. I would assume Syracuse would probably stay at 22nd, but we'll see. It's going to be the ACC slate for this weekend is not very interesting. Um, We're looking at, Louisville, Virginia, you, Virginia Tech, Pittsburgh, big you, Georgia Tech, Duke, question marks. Um, but none of the ranked opponents that Syracuse has coming down the pipe, Wake Forest, NC State, or Clemson play other ranked opponents. Um, and NC State is home against Florida State on a Saturday primetime game. Um, so if you're looking for something to watch with Syracuse Stakes, watch that one and start scouting uh, NC State and Devin Leary. That is... I don't know. Did either of you guys watch any of the NC State Clemson game? Because I came away. NC State had a really hard time running the ball, but they really wanted to run the ball. And I'm slightly concerned that Syracuse's run defense uh, is going to struggle in that situation. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, it's. Yeah, I. Part of that'll be if McDonald's is back. Part of that'll be yep. what White decides to, you know, crank up for whatever's coming. Um, yeah, there's there's plenty of options for whatever uh, whatever route this goes. Um, one one thing that was conf- well, it, I guess this weekend showed how stupid the uh, looking at the transitive property is because oh. Duke made Virginia look stupid and Purdue ended up winning going away and we eked out wins against both of them somehow. So college football is weird. College football is weird. Yep. Do you need too many people to tell you that? Um, my, my follow up point to this in our last 10 minutes here is, you know, it's another weird sport college soccer. Uh, you know, what team was not weird this week, Syracuse, uh, the, the men beat Virginia tech three nil, um, Seems like a pretty handy win there. Uh, I actually, the reason I'm bringing up Syracuse men's soccer is not just because they're a ranked team that is doing really well, but I actually had a friend ask me um, this question over the weekend about the men's the, soccer program. How to get the uh, jerseys? Because that's the only not, freaking question anybody ever asked me. 
I did ask you about that, Steve. I know. No, well, not well, not, well, not these particular jerseys. Oh, they were in the away, yeah. so you're right. Yeah, the, the gray platinums are a choice. Uh, but yes, everybody <laughs> wants the Waldos. Um, the, the rest of Syracuse's schedule doesn't seem to have any uh, ranked opponents on it, which, you know, it, doesn't wait, mean that they... Isn't Wake as, ranked? Not currently. Oh, really? Not currently. Wake and Louisville yeah. are both not currently waked. Wow. ranked jesus god i've um, missed yeah. a lot of acc soccer yeah yeah and so this was kind of the question in, is that like in the immortal words of louis van hall what is this world twisted yeah ain't that the truth god um steve has sarah sarah it seems like and again this is just perception of alumni who are like po- popping in and out when the program is hot um that syracuse has struggled in the acc tournament in general um and part of that is just the tournament field is ridiculously stacked against yeah. the ACC. Um, but in general, is is it too early to say that this Syracuse team is an actual national title contender? Um, does do, do we need to see more down this back half of stretch besides just take care of business from the team? Or are we going to go into the ACC tournament and the postseason with expectations of this team making a deep run. Looking at what's ahead of them, I would, um, and I will go on the record saying, uh, this team is a national title contender and can play with anyone. Um, The last time they made a real run was 2015. And, I mean, that was a team that probably was not top to bottom as good as this one. Um, that's, that, that's a, so good, though. it was, it was really good, but I mean, let's see. It, well, even 2016, 2016 wasn't half bad either. But 2016 really it. choked in the postseason. I mean, North Carolina was good. They, and they should have won that game. That was the stupid snow game at, uh, That was the OCC. snow game that was at OCC. Yeah. I was at that game. Same. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently Christian and I back in the day overlapped on a lot of games. However, we did not know each other at the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, were you, were you at that game also? Uh, that was also during that same postseason run in 2016 against Seattle. Yes, yes, I was. <laughs> yep, I <laughs> that was, was at every a one horrendous of those. game to be at. Yeah, yeah, that'll happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, what happened to that game was it started snowing hard about 10 minutes left in the first half, and then it didn't stop snowing. <laughs> right, which is why we ended up playing at OCC because that wrecked the field so hard. Yeah. That grounds crew couldn't get the play the surface playable again, so they had to go play at OCC because it was just a giant mud pit. Um, twenty fifteen, that jersey hanging behind me was actually in use. Uh, Uso passing in six. So I mean, top to bottom, that I yes, that team had like Miles Kamal, uh, Miles Kamal, Louie. Yep. Uso at Uso at the um, Nanko up top. Nanko and Polk up top. Yep. Boucher at the 10. Forget Benny was on that team. Uh, yeah, and then you had... I forget who the other center mids were. Passing in as the holder. Yeah, Liam, Liam Callahan and Oivan Olseth. Uh, out backs. wide, yeah. No, that was a damn solid team, but I... Who, who, were, the, who were the CMs on that team? I keep... I'm drawing a complete blank. Uh, Hagman and... Oh, yes. Uh, was it Jensen? Andreas Noah Jensen? Reinhardt. Yeah, Noah was in there. Yeah. I've... Yep. Uh... Ednan played a little here and there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but either way, like, really solid top-to-bottom team. That I, having watched a lot of this team, I might say this team is as good or better. Or I will say this team is as good or better. Um, You have pretty much, like... One for one swaps outside with Singleman and uh, um, uh, Leibold. You have uh, a holder in Sinclair that can do whatever Uso did. You have uh, your other two, or your two up top in Poco. And Sinclair basically a taller Mo Adams. Yeah, pretty much. Um, you've got a Poco and Johnson up front that are doing anything you need to. Um, and then at the back. Leibold's probably your best left back since Callahan. Probably. Yeah. 
um, Schoberg, uh, the, the backline rotation of uh, Salim, Schoberg, uh, Agunle, uh, and um, uh, Curdy is like a four-man rotation that you can keep your defense fresh the entire team because or the entire game because you're not dropping quality rotating anyone in there um it's it's weird to see like and then you've got hendrick versus uh whatever shealy's doing so that may be it's your impressive yeah. it also impressive that shealy kept the job because yeah downhower has downhower has shown really good stretches yeah and that was the beginning of the year, Shealy looked a little shaky, and then Donhauer had a match or two, and then he took it back over, and he hasn't really looked back. So, uh, the I, I want to say the X factor on this team is going to be Kurt Kalov playing in kind of that uh, yeah. one of those two, one of the two eights. Um, he he adds a creativity to this team that we haven't seen in a long time, and he links up well with those two forwards. And him and Kachevsky, yeah. like it's kind of, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to my what what I know in my stupid um, Chelsea knowledge of the Balak Lampard and Michael Essien midfield of yeah. like Essien just bossing everything in in the the kind of holder but still moves forward role, uh, and then Kachevsky kind of playing that eight like a uh, like Balak. And then, or, um, like, yeah, there, ah, God, that midfield. Yeah. I'm like thinking about that midfield. Sorry. <laughs> I, th- I think, uh, to go along with that fact, I think another person who's good is an X factor. I think it's Colin Byros. Oh yeah, uh, absolutely. Because, because he, I, he doesn't go up often, but when he makes plays, it usually ends in goals. Yeah. So he also like, is very versatile as to where he can play. Yeah, exactly. So they've brought him in in a lot of different spots that have mm-hmm. worked out well throughout that midfield. But yeah, see, this is this is why I I asked this question because I do think that like one of the things that happens now that Syracuse is ranked in the AP poll, um, Syracuse now has five ranked teams this fall: um, men's football, women's cross country, field hockey, men's cross country, and men's soccer. Um, and out of all of those programs, only one of them is in the top 10 ranked, and it's men's soccer. Um, we've seen this before with Syracuse, where they have a run where, like, a lot of programs tend to start peaking at the exact same time. Um, it, exactly. And I'm, I, I just want to call that out, that we'll definitely try to do a better job, especially next week when it's a bye week or when there's no football game to recap, to talk about some of these other programs that are having yeah. a really good fall. But Syracuse men's soccer is the one that I think even uh, looking at cross country and field hockey, like men's soccer is the one that like in again, like in 2015, when field hockey won the national title, um, men's soccer is really the one that seems to be the best opportunity at Syracuse bringing home a national title this fall, which is crazy um, because I think, correct me if I'm wrong. The field hockey title in 2015 is the last last national title won by a Syracuse program. Is was that the same year as the cross country title? Yes, yes. I was going to say if you get that wrong, Kevin's going to disown you from the blog. So yeah, yeah. Okay, actually, I shouldn't be so confident with it. I'm pretty sure that it was the same year. As, so yes. I think it was the same year as the cross country title. That's yes. a good year then. Yeah. So it's um, a great year, but that's been seven years since Syracuse has brought yeah. home a title in any sport. Oh, and and if and if you want things to do in Syracuse, like the men's the men's pro, pro soccer program is on a three game homestand starting on Tuesday with Cornell, Friday Wake Forest, Monday, uh, next Monday, not this coming Monday, next Monday against Loyola Maryland, and then the field hockey program is also on a two game homestand Wednesday Stanford, uh, Sunday uh, Cornell. And Cornell, and also on Sunday, Cornell, they're doing a jersey retirement as well. Oh, nice! I'll be bringing Seabass to next Monday's game because it's the only non-seven o'clocker. Because you know, five-year-olds, five-year-olds need to that's sleep. A six p- that's a Why six o'clock a 6 kick. PM game. I don't know, but I'm not going to complain because I get to go watch a game. So, <laughs> my buddy and I are bringing our kids up, and we're like, "All right, you guys roll down the hill, and we'll watch soccer. It's fine." 
Just make just hope hope that Chili saves a kick. <laughs> yeah, you know, they'll they'll figure it out. Um <laughs> I did want to point out uh that men's soccer does have uh well we are Canada's uh official college team, especially in the soccer department. Uh it's been primarily Ontario's soccer team. We do actually have a player from Edmonton, which I did hey. not know until uh I just looked at the roster in Noah Leckheld. So yeah, we're expanding in uh, the we're, we're expanding throughout Canada. It's not just Ontario and Quebec soccer team. So here for it. Uh, love me wrapping a five and zero historic podcast with some Olympic sports, specifically with soccer talk. Y'all have no idea what's in store when the World Cup rolls around. Uh, <laughs> it's gonna be a great time. Uh, but that is our show for this week. Uh, thank you to everybody who's listening across the various forms of podcast uh, platforms. Make sure you rate us, review us, like us, give us five stars, help us trick the AI into expanding the Ottoman Empire. If you are reading or watching this on newsmagician.com, thank you again for supporting our website. We really do appreciate you coming back to us every day. It makes us look better, uh, and we really appreciate it. And if you are watching us live on Twitch or watching the replay on Twitch, thanks for doing it. Uh, makes all the hard work that Steve does to make everything look and sound pretty all the more worth it. Uh, and we appreciate anybody who's taking the time out of their Sunday night to watch and sit down live with us as we uh, as we get to talk about things that we really enjoy. So, uh, again, thank you to everybody. Thank you to our sponsor, Home Field Apparel. And uh, go Orange. Go Orange. Go orange.